When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me James R. Klein, J.R. Klein, author and artist, and uh, I would call him also a research expert on very important subjects, on social issues. And we are going to talk today about the environment on the brink of a disaster, literally, as uh, the Paris Accord or COP26 or something else suggests. Uh, and uh, the global experts, governments, everybody has got together and they've decided that we need to contain the temperature rise to 1.5 degrees C by 2050. And that calls for new forms of energy generation, new forms of uh, abatement of CO2, specifically the carbon dioxide in the environment, which is creating a lot of damage. So let's call it decarbonization. So today's discussion with JR and I are going to have is on how is this decarbonization resulting into a carbon economics? Because there is economics involved here. There is an economy of the globe which has to keep working. And while doing it, where the money will come, who will invest, how the new technologies will come in. So the global business is going to be very severely impacted. It would be in a positive manner because decarbonization is a huge social benefit. And for our future generations, we owe it. Let's call it carbon economics, or we'll call it JR Carbonomics. So my guest today, JR, is the principal of JR Global LLC, a consulting firm dedicated to facilitating global transformation through local initiatives that strengthen markets by addressing barriers to access by local residents. His focus is to facilitate systemic change in the areas of water, energy, edu education, and health. All of them are very, very important for human survival. He also serves as the CEO Emeritus of Finance Fund and Ohio USA Statewide Social Impact Community Development Financial Institution that moves public and private capital into low-income communities to improve the quality of life for people. He specializes in revival of local communities by centering on visionary leadership, attractive business climates, strengthening the workforce, and public-private collaboration. JR's expertise is in organizational management, leadership, strategic planning, cultural integration, and performance, and also measurement, how it has to be recognized worldwide. So JR, a very warm welcome to you. Mahesh, it's good to be with you again, uh, to uh, think together on this uh, very interesting topic of uh, uh, what you're calling decarbonization, uh, and I look forward to uh, um, a good discussion. Jared, I will I will start, if you permit me, with certain highlights or 
you could call them low lights also, but these are global newses. Yeah, and, and then we'll frame the discussion and share with our listeners that what exactly is happening and how the carbonamics is building up. So let's start with Europe. Uh, highlight, one of the news highlights was England recorded its highest excess mortality figure from heat waves. This year, since records began in 2004, that's from the health officials. This now followed a summer where temperature rose to all-time highs. The country recorded 2,803-plus deaths among those aged 65 and over during summer heat waves. And this is only for 65 and above. And that's the news from the UK Health Security Agency. The next highlight, if you see, I'm calling them now low lights, exacerbated by climate change and inflation, the number of people facing acute food insecurity worldwide has more than doubled since 2019, which is the pre-COVID days. And in the most severe case, global GDP growth would be some 1% lower per annum. The final climate damage function, DS damage, named after Dietz and Stern, is the most extreme scenario in which the global economy would suffer considerable loss as a result of climate change. Now, these are the kind of highlights we are hearing. And under this scenario, which I was giving with DS damages, as and when warming extends to four degrees C, annual economic output will be 50% lower compared to the scenario when no warming occurs. Now, that's a humongous number if you look at it. We saw the floods in Pakistan. Now, all of them are causing damages. We have all heard about what's happening with uh, the glaciers and uh, why it is such an important issue. But beyond that, uh, the experts in the world got together. That's good news. Almost 193 countries out of 195 listed in UN, actually could be more than those number of countries, have agreed to the common agenda. And that is to bring down the temperature rise to 1.5 degrees by 2050. Some may cross it a little bit, but there is a focus. The governments are focused. Uh, people are focused. Business are committed. Now, uh, I'll give that one last highlight. Then we'll get into discussion that how it happened, where we are, and what could be happening in future, how it'll impact the global business. There is a dollar, 207 trillion, I'll repeat, the 270 trillion climate fund gap and other environment issues to be sorted out. That means $270 trillion of investment is needed between now and by 2050 to achieve the net zero targets which the governments of various countries have agreed. So let's, let's start with these highlights. I just want to show, again, I'm calling them highlights as a matter of habit because they were in the news. These are basically, some of them are low lights, yeah? That this is where we are. And this is the, the, the magnitude of problem which we're talking about now. So Jerry, your thoughts on it. 
Uh, okay, um, that, that's a that's a good um, that's a good sort of overview. I, I I do like that, you know. And one of the things, one of the things that I'm going to pick out of that is the this uh, this a recent recognition and and development in climate change uh, is that there there is a an increased carbon dioxide emission around the world uh, and and that that um, this is uh, this is actually a, a crisis uh, it's very difficult i think for anyone these days uh, to begin to to uh, produce a counter argument uh, if you just simply look at uh, what's sort of happening around the world? Uh, you mentioned some of them, Mahesh, in your in your your overview. You know, in the last two decades, but around the world, we have seen the warmest years on record. Um, weather phenomena are, are becoming uh, worse, extremer. Uh, and uh, there are many recent uh, surveys, research that shows people are worried about climate change as they face sort of an increasing number and intensifying phenomenon such as floods and droughts and fires and 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 storms and uh, even rising sea levels. Uh, a good example of this is I just heard a report uh, uh, today uh, about uh, uh, it would be let's see uh, back in two uh, two thousand five I think when there when the uh, hurricane as we would call it on this uh, continent came through New Orleans of Louisiana and, and U.S. and uh, how it uh, it was uh, one of the one of the worst uh, storms to come through in 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 well ever I, I guess and what you're beginning to see or or what has been evident uh, I'll just I'm just taking New Orleans as an example that about a hundred thousand people who lived in New Orleans and moved away because of Katrina have not moved back to New Orleans. Now they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're upon that little economy, upon that economy, that that can be a fairly have a pretty fairly significant uh, impact. You're you're also seeing things like like uh, the difference in climate change. There, there's there's the ability to begin to draw a straight line between between that that change and the way that. There is a worsening of different kinds of diseases. As a matter of fact, there are that researchers, some researchers will, will tell us that they could pretty well draw a direct line between the last pandemic and uh, and what is happening in the in the climate. And the other thing, the other thing I think that is that is uh, interesting uh, to note is uh, this change is anthropogenic now there's a big word for you basically basically it means that the, the climate change is caused by human beings very true uh, right. yeah yeah and 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 mainly caused uh, 
by the increasing combustion of fossil fuels to cover growing energy needs around uh, around the around the uh, around the world that is very true and the development of societies economies have been associated with that yeah yeah and 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 so uh what what stands uh, before us uh, as you referenced uh the uh, the the climate the paris climate uh, summit that everyone uh, i say everyone because virtually uh, every nation in the world was part of uh really was significant in the fact that there is this kind of a uh, solidarity uh, about this issue around the world uh and with every piece of uh, of silver lining there is a gray cloud also the the other side of that is is our country's going to follow through on their strategy uh to move toward um cleaner energy um and we're beginning to see beginning to see that uh, around the world a matter of fact you you're beginning to see that there is a, a, a some change uh, among uh, the the governments and the corporate world uh, to really look at the assets and operations and how they're going to have to change based upon uh this uh this um this this climate monster uh that uh -huh. basically is uh is facing uh, all of us. Um, they, the, I, and I think I, I probably would would project that, or or would guess that what is driving this is beyond the science, because you know we had the science for a long time. You have uh, an overwhelming majority of the science community has been talking about climate change for decades, uh, but it has just been uh, fairly recently that it has moved to corporations and 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 governments, and I might suggest that is driven that is driven by probably. Uh, demand, and by demand, I say demand from customers, uh, demand from employees, uh, de demand from the community. Correct, around, correct. Around what the issue is. Yeah, Jer, um, I know it's a very interesting subject you are discussing. We'll take a short break, and we'll continue our chain of thought process uh, on this subject immediately after the. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And we have JR Klein with us, and we are discussing carbonomics, the impact of decarbonization on global business and the overall global economy in the future. Uh, JR, you had a very um, nice thought process on connecting our day-to-day life and what is causing it and why it's happening. I'll let you continue on that in our discussions now. Uh, okay, Mahesh, uh, thanks. We'll We'll take up with a thought of, of what sort of the drivers are to uh, the world's response to climate change. We said they're primarily uh, customers, uh, corporate customers, uh, employees of corporations, and then demand. We began to think about where, what is what is the source of of these emissions? What are, where are these emissions coming from? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just quote some statistics here, you know, and and, uh, uh, and just look very broadly at where emissions come from. Uh, and there are basically six six places. Uh, the, the first and uh, most um, prevalent is uh, is electricity and heat. Now, I, I don't, I think that's pretty logical because it's not just electricity from heat. It's other kinds of heat. It's uh, it's uh, uh, heating from fuel oil, uh, basically heating from burning wood. 25% of emissions come from that. The second one, second one is agriculture. Agriculture has about 24%. And that that is an interesting one also because you you get that you get that not just from the amount of uh, carbon in fuels that are used to operate farming uh, ventures like like tractors and and uh, um, the, the electricity that it takes to move product and and so forth uh, but also getting into agriculture even the fertilizer that's used to put on crops the uh, the ammonia fertilizer which is basically, Produced in urea as soon as that uh, there that's a high carbon content and as soon as it hits the fields and starts doing its job it also emits carbon. You also have methane that comes from from animals uh, etc. Uh, number three is ties into transportation. It, it, I mean it ties into 
agriculture is transportation. Mm -hmm. uh, you just think for a minute how much transportation connects directly with economics. Um, uh, I think this last pandemic probably for me was a, a, a one of the bigger eye openers for me, even though I, I knew it intellectually, seeing it is quite different. Uh, where uh, what happened when we had a, 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 a not a disabled, but uh, um, um, an infected supply system being able to get product and get it out. We ran out in the U.S. We ran out of truck drivers. Uh, you, you you didn't have them, and began uh, we began to see uh, prices rise because of the lack of being able to get uh, supply out to the to the market. And uh, uh, you're uh, you see that also because of a uh, I. I would call it, um, I want to call it a politically uh, generated cause, but I can't, I can't actually do that. I'll just make it as a statement. You have, you have a political crisis in Ukraine at the present time. You have that on top of the pandemic. So you see fuel costs going up. The price of the price of oil and gas is going up. When you get that, you see increases in, uh, in diesel costs. And that's what you get a lot to run run vehicles around the world. So you get 14% of emission come from, comes from transportation. Um, I to, sorry to interrupt you, um, uh, but you bring in such a brilliant point, you know, transportation. Now that's part of our day-to-day -day life. So, you know, we all see how we all are polluting the environment when you use cars. That's why probably Tesla and other companies, the Volkswagens and, and all the electric car vehicles, they became so popular, Mercedes and BMW, whatever you call them, whosoever makes cars and try to jump into electric vehicles because we recognize it, we see it ourselves. Now, looking at where the power is coming, not everybody is aware what kind of pollution it creates. The food which comes from agriculture and others, what kind of methane is coming from animals, what's happening? Just want to share a fact. If you had to control the pollution just from cars, because we see it ourselves every day. Another one, which I will not discount is heating. We all recognize that. In this world today, there are one point, almost touching 1.5 billion vehicles on the earth. 1.5 billion. Now imagine for lifelong, they have been internal combustion engines using either the, the gas, petrol or diesel, right? And all the transportation have been going through. I'm not even talking about the ships, you know, right? They work on different fuel and the airplanes. Just on cars, I want to share this data to, to, to support your uh, discussion point. Asia, which came up the last on and agreeing on reducing uh, the carbon emission and all, has half a billion vehicles, almost 531 billion vehicles on the road. Europe has 405 million vehicles. North America has 351 million. South America, 83 million. Middle East, 49 million. Africa, 26. Now, 
Uh, you 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 can give credit to Antarctica only about fifty. Yeah, but the key here is the point I'm trying to bring. As we continue in our discussion, we will see that the points that you have raised till now, that can we re replace them, like energy by wind energy, by solar energy, cars by electric car. But what do you do with the existing cars? The 1.5 billion cars, if they have to be replaced, they cannot be replaced overnight. They will keep creating those pollution. So that means... Uh, when we go to the next part of our discussion, it looks like our discussion will converge and then diverge in, uh, converge into one. Yeah, there's a problem. Then diverge. The one is use the new sources of energy which do not pollute. Second is how to abate while you're replacing the vehicles or ships or aircraft which are polluting because there's no other way out. We have such large numbers, just a sample of cars, 1.4 billion. So you cannot take them off the road immediately, but till you reach 2050, if you had to hit the target, a 1.5 degree uh, uh, C temperature rise only, these cars with the polluting, there has to be ways found, not just by replacing with electric vehicle, either we can replace all of them, which I don't know if it is possible, and how the scale of reduction is, that there has to be some way to pull the, the carbon dioxide and other greenhouse, like the, the gases damage the environment and contain them, you know, take them, sequester them, do something like that. I'll let you continue because you, you brought a very exciting point, uh, JR. So I just wanted to share these details. It is a very exciting point, Mahesh, and, and, uh, and, and thank you for an exposition on them. Uh, there, we could, we we actually could go off on a, on a whole major discussion around the points that you're bringing up. You know, the the introduction of uh, electronic uh, electric vehicles, for example, doesn't necessarily solve any problems because that electricity has to come from someplace. And 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 so I, I we'll get into renewables a little bit later, but I'm gonna. Let's finish the other couple things that we have here. Absolutely. That really yes, major, we're on the third point. Yeah, please keep going. Yeah, major, major uh, sources of uh, emissions. That transportation is about 14% of that. Um, the other one is buildings. Now, this is, this is just not existing buildings, which when you operate a building, it, it actually ends up being a... Um, uh, being a, res a resource, but a source of pollution, either by the uh, uh, carbon fuel that's used to to uh, heat the building, uh, but the uh, the ways that the building is constructed. Uh, you also have the building of buildings, uh, running of machinery to do that, uh, the the ability to. Uh, um, use materials, uh, for example, uh, to use cement. Uh, this I, I came as a little bit of a surprise to me because I, I, I guess I just never thought about it that 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 uh, in and this feeds into the next piece that I'm going to give uh, and that is the other along with building, is the source as, of industry of, as being 
21% of the sources of admission. So let's take those two together and just look at one component. And uh, that's cement. You know, I'm thinking to myself, cement, what, what, what is that? Well, it's, it's actually one of the four major sectors of, of industry uh, that is a contributor. There, there's four, a cement, steel, ammonia, and ethylene that, that produce 45% of the sector's carbonization, which is, which is sort of amazing to me. Um, uh, basically, it has to do with how you make, how you make uh, cement. And cement isn't all the time uh, the big trucks that you see on the road that are filled with uh, cement that's going to a construction site to, 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 uh, Sort of in in a in a uh, not a liquid but a, a a form to be able to pump it and and put the put the, uh, the run the cement. It's the it's the ability to make cement products, which are a big piece of building uh, these days, especially commercial building, uh, where you have uh, you look at you look at roads, uh, you look at. Uh, uh, buildings and they that are built with uh, cement siding and uh, and all that cement is run through a run through a kiln. Those kilns are 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 fired primarily by fossil fuels. Uh, but we see at some point uh, there's a whole discussion there about where where those will come. But but the point being is that that our our building and industry as a, a sources of emissions are very prevalent. The buildings are about six percent, but then, um, but then industry also is about twenty-one percent. Uh, so I, I, I just I put that there uh, to really go to the next piece of that, which is that we so we don't have a problem pinpointing the issues. Uh, we pretty much know where it's coming from and how it how it comes from there but we've known that for a while and and uh, things uh, the needle hasn't really moved that much so i would suggest that the 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 factor here that has been uh, the trigger or i might say the the um, the emphasis to start moving is is a groundswell of groundswell of support, and not a groundswell of support in any government or any corporation. But it is actually a groundswell, as you as you mentioned when you talked about the Paris Accord, uh, that has that has come from from populations from people around the world. Uh, since uh, uh, about, oh, I'd say 2019, we saw some of the biggest climate protests uh, ever as millions uh, millions of people took to the, the streets to demand immediate action to tackle climate change and reduce pollution. You, you mentioned the 193, I think, uh, countries that, yes. uh, that took place, and about 185 of those uh, – or where, or where uh, demonstrations actually took place, and uh, protesters putting pressure on government and and um, and businesses to address these 
urgent uh, sustainable issues as 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 the community as the public began to see the evidence of that you know you look at um uh, i've just got uh, uh, some things that pop into my head the rising sea levels and uh, for example, in the Solomon Islands, <laughs> you know, when you wow. live in the Solomon Islands or you're living on an island, uh, rising sea, sea levels is a, a is an important issue. Uh, have issues of like toxic waste in South Africa, and I, I this is one that just amazes me: uh, air pollution and plastic waste. I mentioned primarily India. India has. Has uh, is it? I think it's India that that has uh, almost an island uh, floating off the, floating out uh, off the uh, coast of uh, of plastic pollution, and um, and then you get and then you get things that were just happening. Another uh, another uh, one that uh, is fresh in my mind because we I just uh, we just had guests from Australia, and that is. Australia has actually expanded their coal extraction. And so people, populations are, are, are seeing this uh, and uh, really highlighting this was the fact that in 2020, in response to uh, the COVID pandemic, um, it, it really, you saw, you saw a, a a lot of shutdowns, a lot of closings. Uh, really, it served to highlight the environmental damage and pollution that, that had become normal in the world. Uh, places, I, I just mentioned two, uh, mm -hmm. China and India, for example, uh, their skies cleared over their industrial center for the first time in years. Yeah, that is very true. And, uh, you know, JR, I don't want to interrupt your thought process, but I had to because I have to take a short break. <laughs> and we'll continue this thought process immediately after a short break. But the brilliant point you brought in was what happened during COVID and how did it change the environment? So uh, let's, uh, let's take a break and we'll uh, continue after the short break. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, and we are having very interesting discussions with our guest today, JR on uh, decarbonization of the world and the sequential development of carbon economy 
we are calling it carbonomics today. Uh, JR, you brought in several brilliant points while we were talking about the decarbonization and what kind of issues are coming in there. And you brought in such a lovely point that what happened, what happened during the COVID? So, and I want to share something on that. Uh, the speed with which various societies, various co- countries mobilized the response to pandemic, where that was thrust on us from nowhere, that offers us probably a hope for future for decarbonization also. That it shows the way the society reacted that we are still capable of radical shift when circumstances demand it. And we are focused on doing what is needed to be done. You know, if we bring the same urgency to the task of decarbonizing our economies, a process that will lead far-reaching benefits to our health and well-being will be lovely. It, this will be the best thing that can happen. You know, you and I know, all our listeners know, during COVID-19, we had lockdown. So many of us experienced things we had long forgotten. We had never seen it. Clean air, fish in urban waterways, birds, bees, butterflies, you know, a lot of things, animals on the roads, because everything was available. It is totally natural. Lockdown, nobody can get out. And the fact is, by the year's end, the greenhouse gas emission, which impacts the environment the worst, it had fallen by an unprecedented 8%. And now if you keep this figure of 8% in mind, this is the highest number. Actually, the number which is needed as an annual reduction is only 7.6 as per scientists in the next 10 years to limit the global warming to 1.5 degrees, which is 1.5 degrees above the pre-industrial level. So we are still going higher than pre-industrial level, but what we need, again, I recapitulate the numbers, during COVID, at the end of the year, 8% reduction, greenhouse gas emission. What we need? One point, uh, to get 1.5, only 7.6. But we all know, economic economically, or if you go across the verdict, the, the lockdowns obviously are not the solution to the climate crisis. In fact, there's only one way to keep a handle on climate change, is to keep going with decarbonization. Do not allow carbonization to take place. Now, pandemic gave us once in a lifetime opportunity to replace the systems that have created the turmoil and instability in the way we are living. And if you see that time, equality, sustainability, socioeconomic, justice, everything came into play at that point of time. But now if we consider that COVID-19 as, well, sorry, let me reverse it. If we take COVID-19 and equate with extreme weather condition as risk coming from climate change, and we act the same way, you know, that there is a high probability of it happening, which is happening. High impact threats are coming, which if can be converted into no excuse for inaction, means we have to act. So the pandemic shows we achieved 8%, whether it was forced on us by different things, we had achieved only 7.6. It shows we can do it once we decide. That's a human race. Currently, it can do. Right? And now you look at it. 
what happened in the spending i'm just looking at how economic power of various countries came into play to support the economies through the pandemic because everything was shut down the governments around the world i think the approximate number of debt they incurred was more than 20 trillion because they supported the economies they're trying to make it happen they found various ways to spend and that spending which has been done at that time which is not very far away it happened only in 20 and 21 uh, 2020 and 21 that spending will determine how the global economy will shape up in decades to come because that is well provided if it is directed wisely it will be good for the society but if it is misused a next generation will have to repay those debts so basically what it boils down to is the point which you mentioned and you made out a brilliant point on 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 the covid thing the only responsible way for us or our generation to behave is to design recovery measures that is not only economic recovery by certain things link that economic recovery with the low carbon and resilient economies that are investing into decarbonization they are doing public good it is in, it, it is investing clean industry it is investing in educating people giving new skill set building resilient infrastructure the good news is the economies are doing it it if we take out the name inflation reduction act of united states of america the trillions of dollars they were planning out of this at least half a trillion is towards the climate control it is towards decarbonization doing a lot of things about it and this is the power of intelligent thinking and using the collective wisdom of how we can make it happen i'll let you continue with your thought process sorry for that interruption but i wanted to share this data that how how the how the economies and the governments are reacting in a very positive way to challenge learning from what you mentioned about how we how we handle covid and so i i, th- I think there there these are are poignant uh, poignant inter- uh, instruments uh information uh to look at because we really we really have to get back to a basic question, question. don't we so we have all this all these pressures that are happening we have uh, 180 some countries with uh, community protests and and uh, we're moving forward this we have we have scientists we have uh, um economics uh, we we have economists uh, talking to us so the question question really is are are they being heard uh and and in that uh, the answer to that question i think is is multi functional but first of all uh the change in consumer attitude and activism and the sort of the positive impact of of uh, reduced mobility and in and, and industry on on the environment is apparently is apparently as you you intimated getting through to to companies and industries when you see more and more uh, of these companies are acknowledging that they need to embrace uh, a, a low carbon future not only for the sake of the planet uh 
and understand that most companies, most governments move to policy, not based upon what's good for the planet, but what's good for the company. Uh, and, uh, and this pressure has brought them to the place that, that um, they, they need to improve uh, or maintain customer loyalty and assure that they're long, that they are long term, are viable over the long term. Uh, there's a. I there's think, I think uh, you are so damn right here, Jaren. Thanks for bringing that point because there is a consensus approach needed because there are too many countries, too many geographies. Just I'll share some details to you from International Energy Agency. You know, there is a growing consensus in support of this approach, what you recommended, and that's a positive news, what you're sharing. Uh, and, and and it has advised governments to invest in sustainable energy and eliminate uh, fossil fuels, fossil fuel subsidies. See, some of the government had subsidies there. So if you remove that subsidy, you, you, then the cost equation becomes equitable. And they've been told to invest in sustainable energy Eliminate all of it, those subsidies. And that's the key. That's what I repeated. Now, that reduce, another point to mention is reducing emission is a labor-intensive process. Now, if some of the countries are, are, are fearful about how to create jobs after the pandemic, here's an opportunity, right? Reducing emission is a labor-intensive process that creates jobs. So even IMF has come into play. They have called for not only green-oriented fiscal stimulus packages, they are also requesting for an end to fossil fuel subsidies. Same thing as international agency, energy agency saying, and they are saying, IMF yeah. has gone one step further. They are saying scaled up carbon taxation, that if you are throwing carbon into an atmosphere, carbon dioxide, you tax them. Now, the major agencies are involved there, positive sign. Now, if you look at it, let's say, for example, public support for climate action. Some of the data shows it has never been higher. Maybe we all have learned during pandemic that the, how important the climate is, what it could be. You know, you could see a sky as you're talking about China, India, the, the fast growing nations, uh, clear skies. They could see a lot of things. Now, there was a poll which was done. And uh, it says that 70% of adults agreed the long-term climate change is as serious as COVID-19. What a correlation. COVID-19 shook up everybody, right? And 65% support climate-oriented policies. Paul, it's a 6% down, but they want that in economic recovery, 65%, which is close to two-thirds, very nice. Now, amazing part is that the most uh, rather the fastest growing economies right now or developing economies, China, Mexico, India. 80% of respondents there agreed that it is important for recovery to be green. So there is a public support, so-called. Yeah, there, there, there's a, a public support, a corporate support too. I'll, let me add to that, that uh, as, as an example of that, a 2020 uh, Deloitte uh, um, did a study um, uh, a research study, it's called. Uh, uh, primarily, uh, the, the section I'm looking at actually came from the United States, but they had a phenomenal return, you know, about three quarters of the businesses in the United States who were responders 
uh, uh, responded to this study said that their customers uh, are demanding that their uh, they procure a percentage, a certain percentage of uh, electricity uh, from renewable sources, and that that a rising portion of companies, 77%, are uh, actively publicizing sourcing of renewables. And, uh, and that's really a good indicator that this message is, 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 I, isn't filtering down, but it's filtering up. Uh, from uh, from uh, the the population. That's that's a great point, Jr. Um, I will uh, request you to kindly allow me to take a break now. Uh, we will take a short break, and we will continue our uh, very exciting discussion after the break. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And we are having very interesting, intriguing and very insightful discussion with uh, JR, JR Klein, on carbonomics. JR, uh, very interesting discussion. I think we probably will run out of time today. So I just want to use the last segment, the fourth segment of our uh, discussion on what do you think should be the strategies? Well, l- well, let me let me tell you this is this is very interesting. Let's let's start with something. Uh, a strategy that's just really very, very basic, okay? Um, you know, these concerns about elevated uh, atmospheric uh, uh, carbons are quite rightly focuses on its biggest sources, which are, are fossil fuels. Um, but as you, as you can, if you remember uh, from your, uh, from your old, their science classes, that one of the reasons that has happened is there have been been a dramatic reduction in the uh, dependence of this carbon that has been stored for many millions of years in in uh, our world's uh, forest and in those trees that grow up ground around the world uh, about one third of the elevation of our atmospheric uh, carbon uh, since uh, pre-industrial times has has been caused by the clearance uh, of those uh, forests. A, a good example is um, uh, New Zealand, who, who uh, a couple of centuries ago uh, 
existed primarily as one native forest. But uh, over, uh, again, uh, you've got to be a certain age here, I know, but over a relatively short period of time, 800 years, uh, that uh, surface of uh, forest land in New Zealand has gone down to 28%. Because you think about all of the carbon that is sequestered in that, in that forest that is now primarily gone. And, and, and so that one of those easy things we can do uh, is begin to develop strategies around uh, decarbonization simply by kind of taking this, this green idea to a real green idea is to just repopulate forests that go around. And so uh, whenever we talk about strategies uh, for climate control, they, uh, the, the minds just as we, we talked about just a minute ago, uh, uh, go to uh, renewables. So uh, we've seen uh, we've seen uh, growing renewables uh, developing uh, new ways to produce energy, uh, uh, and we also need to be uh, when we do that thinking about improving energy efficiency in existing uh, in, in existing uh, systems. Uh, are reducing admission, creating uh, new markets for carbon. You talked a little bit about how that works, how you can do um, uh, basically trade carbon credits. Um, at the same time, many of these commonly pursued steps of, of decarbonization uh, such as increasing electrification, uh, we talked about quickly, uh, wide-scale uses of, of renewable energy and intensifying energy efficiency uh, have posed unique challenges. All of them do. In many countries, in many countries, this seeking of alternative forms of energy have have been impacted by um, by geography uh, by uh, location uh, for example uh, renewable sources like wind solar geothermal hydro uh, energy for electricity uh, examples are there's there's a number of countries that that uh, are almost energy efficient as uh, through their ability to use hydropower, you think of Paraguay. They 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 get ninety nine percent of their electricity from from hydroelectric. Uh, um, Norway ninety five percent. Costa Rica ninety three percent. And then you get uh, uh, countries like China and the United States that had the highest installation of wind energy and solar photovoltaics capacity in the world uh, way, uh, way back, listen, in, in 2019. But the challenges that come around along with that are, 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 are vast. And, uh, and you, you've got some, some keys to sort of going on the, on the right path. Now, we understand governments will pay uh, a, a significant role in this. But if, if we have anything to say about that, governments have 
have lagged significantly behind the curve in their in their what should be uh, leadership roles and setting uh, paths for uh, decarbonization. So, this uh, despite the uh, the efforts that are currently made, uh, there there we should talk about some of the things that that. We uh, that that blinding flash of the obvious that we have to look at when we when we strategize on how this is going to happen. But un- understand, like uh, you said uh, in the beginning, uh, the capital requirements for doing this are 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 overwhelming, are phenomenal. Um, investments in new in- infrastructure and and uh, again rethinking about how. We do what we do, and that's over any sector, uh, from from uh, from industry to transportation to agriculture. We have to rethink, and all that rethinking um, uh, uh, changes things. Uh, besides climate change, governments have to uh, figure out how they can resolve some of these issues of issues like that don't seem to be connected uh, at all. But will have an impact on on this because they come with huge capital requirements themselves. For example, uh, governments can't just pour their money into uh, into uh, uh, climate change when you've got issues like healthcare, uh, health insurance, pension payments, economic improvement, all these kinds of things staring you in the face. Um, I think I think you you bring in a very good point. You know, if I have to share something with you, um, uh, JR, and with our listeners, is that uh, you know, in, in government is supporting it, corporate leaders are supporting it, and uh, the the finance industry, which finances the businesses, you know, um, there is a growing number of corporate leaders who are aligning the purpose of the company with this, and also they want public funding to have green st- strings attached to it. Because they, why? Because they have recognized that such conditions will start uh, will help to restart the economy, which is post-pandemic and avert your largest crisis in future. It, it reminds me in UK, for example. I think it's more than two hundred business leaders. They called on government to pursue green recovery, and the Chancellor Exchequer agreed because it was labor-intensive energy efficiency measures for buildings, yeah. electric vehicles that create jobs also. Right, and there were around uh, 180 business leaders, uh, uh, which said that green strings should be attached. Even European Union. Now let's look at the heavy hitting industries in terms of emissions: BP, Shell, Daimler, Rio Tinto. They are continuing to pursue decarbonization strategies okay. after the COVID, and they they there. The key there is: can we? Seize the moment. Exactly. The now to decarbonize post-COVID, the way you 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 invest. But let's let's say, for example, in particular, how about prioritizing the retirement of economically margin marginal carbon-intensive assets? You can do that. So you are investing into new assets now. To give an example of financial sector, so when this responsibility came to build back better. The major investment groups, BNP Paribas, DWS, Comgest, 
and many others, they are corporations stay focused on decarbonization. One example, BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager with more than $7 trillion under management has pledged to punish the world, punish the director of companies that fail to manage environmental risk. If you remember ExxonMobil, there was an activist investor came on their board and shook the whole company in the board, stating that you're not doing enough for the environment. Now, this kind of impact and this kind of aggression coming in towards decarbonization, saving our future generation is unbelievable. Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. And I want to tell you, uh, uh, you, you talk about energy sector. Yeah, I, we hear a little bit of it, but one of the things that, that they are challenged with is that they have to, their priorities need to be reformulated, and they just have to—they have to rethink their stuff. They have to—they have to spend time doing that. Uh, uh, other challenges, uh, also. I'm going to just hit a couple of these quickly before we run out of time. Yeah, one of the things is is that, that we see a lot as a challenge is environmental policies uh, are often inconsistent, uh, not just from from one country to the other, but sometimes from one part of countries to the other. Uh, the, the other big challenge, uh, Mahesh, that I think we need to look at, and again, we may be talking about a whole other program here, and that is this sort of political calculation of lobbying efforts and a sort of population and uh, populism, I should say, and corruption often, often makes the implementation of required policies impossible and even causes regression in this decarbonization process. And then the big one for me right now that we have to look at is the world's population itself really is not yet ready for the change in energy usage and lifestyle. Uh, uh, that's that, that change, which is absolutely necessary. A, a large part of the population, uh, it, it, it's going to be very difficult uh, uh, indeed to to change their current lifestyle and give up certain comforts that they enjoy to due to low energy prices, they they might represent the most difficult uh, uh, difficult uh, process of decarbonization. So, so we we have a lot of challenges in front of us, and uh, um, we, the the upshot of that is that. Uh, uh, now is not the time to let up. We need to continue to press on. I think we'll we'll see companies and 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 uh, and countries and governments doing that because I don't see that the public pressure is going to go away. Yes, I agree with you. Unfortunately, Jr, we have run out of time today, but thank you so much uh, for such a lovely discussion. It looks like uh, a green recovery is a win-win solution. It looks like we already have the tools, resources, technologies, or developing technologies. And uh, uh, also the best part is, fortunately for us, uh, economic and social justice are also going hand in hand with decarbonization. You know, that's a brilliant point of it. And we are seeing the trend, governments are willing to invest. Um, uh, the the financial institutions are willing to take this as a criteria for investment. People are aware of it. Maybe COVID did this as the best favor to us. Uh, wake up call. 
and uh, it showed that what can happen to environment with that. So it looks like there will be a new economic environment. There will be new economics which will be opening up with the 270 trillion dollars needed to achieve 1.5 degree C rise by 2050, which is, if you compare with today's economy, which is north of 90 trillion dollars, is almost close to three times of current global GDP. So thank you, JR, for such a lovely discussion. Really appreciate your very intriguing feedback and uh, your research on various topics. And we will continue our discussions in probably in another session of this subject. And, uh, and again, uh, thank you, Mahesh, for the opportunity. It was both a pleasure and a delight. Thank you. You've been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week. Thank you.